0: visit roberthalf.com today
1: in my opinion tiger has played deepest golf anybody's ever seen our goal is definitely to win
2: first down take the ball out of the running back's hands and force two or to beat us as well the only
1: sport where getting mad is a problem every other sport you're passionate in golf you have anger issues
2: that's disrespectful man you can't spin on another man and not expect nothing to happen Yo, it's episode seven of All Things
3: Covered with Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The name says it all. If you like what you hear, download and subscribe, and make sure you smash the five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube. Just visit youtube.com slash
2: All Things Covered. Yo, Pat, man, what we going to cover on this episode? Yo, Mac, obviously we was off this week. Yep. But we're gonna look forward to the Week Nine matchup against the Dolphins, and also what happened around the league on Sunday. Plus, we within two weeks, Matt, we got the Masters, the Masters, my he element. Masters. Yes, sir. We gonna chop it up with one of uh, the one of the top golfers in the world, John Rom Rambo. That's what they call Rambo. Him. Can't wait he's for a, it, man. It should be a he's great the
3: best show. In the world, Craig, he's the
2: best in yes, the he, world. Yes, and and, and guess what, Mac? I seen yeah. it up in person. He's definitely the best in the world.
3: Listeners, viewers, guys have been following our show for six, seven episodes now, so you kind of get an idea of the rundown. You know, the first quarter is about chopping it up. And right now we're in the chopping, chopping it up segment of all things covered with Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden. And apart part in this segment, we're going to go back in time. Currently, both of our universities are not doing well right now on the football field. Ooh. Florida State, Lord they mercy. struggling. LSU. They're struggling also, but it was once upon a time, they were one of the best teams, universities, ball clubs in college football. And clearly for Pat LSU, they just won a championship last year. So they, you know, they've been to the promised land more recently than Florida state. But for us, we would like to take you guys into the life of a top high school prospect. Pat, before I throw this question out to you. When you came out of high school, Blanche Ely High School, Pompano Beach, e. Florida, home of the Tigers. Yes, what, sir. You played cornerback. What what and was I your played rating? I played
2: everything. I didn't play corner in high school. I played I, everything. I mean, man. you
3: were I you, you, you no were a position. You were a football weapon, right? <laughs> but when you look at <laughs> right. the classifications and when they had you rated at and everything like that, at the cornerback position, where were you rated? Number one. You were number one. Okay. Yeah, right where right where I needed to be. Okay, you're number one, and mm-hmm. me, B-Mac, Brian McFadden, I went right down the road, MacArthur <laughs> High School, Hollywood, Florida, and yes, when sir. I came out, I was also the number one rated corner oh, in America. Oh, man, it runs in the family. It runs in the family, you feel me? <laughs> it runs in the family, at the same position. You feel me? At the same yes, position. Sir. So, Pat, when you came out of high school, you had the who's of who trying to land you trying to get you to sign that letter of intent to their university. So can Mm -hmm. you fill us in on your best recruiting trip or the crazy, the craziest recruiting story that you were involved in? But before you answer either question, Mm. right, can you give us the list of your five visits and then answer the question?
2: My five visits were I visited North Carolina Florida Florida State LSU I only took 4 actually. You didn't go to Miami? I thought I kinda, you went to kinda Miami. Kind of kind of US. No, nah, cuz I was committed to Miami myself. So, you know, I was down there almost every week, so I Okay, I mean, I was committed to Miami, so there was no need to really go down there. You know, they had those Nike camps down there. They had all all those camps. So I like I I knew the facilities. So it was like I, I don't need to see that again, you know? You yeah. know what I mean? I'm I'm good on that. But anywho, uh, and my fifth one, it was gonna be USC, but I I, t- I took my trip to USC as a junior because I went there on a re- uh, rising star camp. It was like in like late June, early July, and going to that, that was my best recruiting trip. Although it wasn't even an official trip, for like an official re- uh recruiting trip. Yeah. Um, but those are my five visits. But t- I'm gonna give you two stories. My first one is gonna be my best one. Okay. Uh, US, uh, USC. I went to USC. Um, my first time flying. Um, it was a rising star camp, and it was like a a camp to where everybody comes. It's like a Nike camp. You come there. Uh, you you do your testing one day. Then the next day, it's all competing. You know, you putting on your. You know, you going through the drills and all that stuff. So, me being from Florida, you know, you know, I always know the notion that. Florida, East Coast, and West Coast—so always the argument of which football is better. Yeah. And with me probably being like the only, you know, East Coast guy down there, man. My dad—I never forget. Man, my dad had this long talk. We was on our Southwest flight like almost six hours. Uh-huh. Never forget my first time flying. I'm terrified. So, man, my dad talking so like, man, dad, I'm about to go up and I'm this is my le- uh, my junior year going into my senior. Year. I was like, dad, I'm about to go up here and wreck this camp, man. Like I'm about to really go out here. And like put a like put on, you know what I mean? So and I got a picture I'm a I'ma send to you, Matt, so we can put on the show as well. Yeah. Um, but anyway, go up there, wreck the camp. Um, so I do all my competing, crush all the time. And so now they got this thing called, it's called a Trojan Ball. Mm -hmm. Mind you, Matt, I'm I'm only I'm the only one from the East Coast. So now I'm getting people like that's from pickups. Like I'm getting everybody already got their team, everybody from the E from the West Coast. So I'm I'm getting pretty much the leftovers. Ken Norton was my coach of my team. Kid you not. Ken Norton and kid, coach Ken Norton can validate this story. I'm the only, only, maybe we had one more, maybe two more athletes on our team and it's nine on nine on nine. And you can do whatever you want with the ball. Yeah. Man, when I say the pump or no came out of me, Mac, <laughs> and I went up there and won it all. Went up there and won it all with the team I had. I want, they call it the granddaddy of them all. Uh-huh. And that was the Rose Bowl and you playing inside the, uh, inside the Coliseum. Mac, I went up there and showed my behind, man. Man, I had about, I was playing quarterback, safety, corner. I had like seven picks. So, so that was your junior a bunch year. Were, of you, touchdowns. were you, were you, uh, rated uh, ranked in the country at that time, your junior year? Yeah, so I believe, honestly, Matt, after that camp, that's when it was like, oh, this that's dude for it, real. It like, elevated you to a whole nother status. Right, because it, yeah, because the, the, that camp was called Rising Stars. So, yeah, you know, everybody you. was out there rating players, seeing what how fast they are, their measurements. And when I went out there and went crazy, Mac, I went crazy. I put on for my city, on, on for my city. But my, uh, that was the cra- that was my best one, my craziest one. I'll probably say when I went to LSU. LSU.
3: Um,
2: the cra- the crazy- the thing what made it crazy was when I left LSU, I told my mom, I was like, mom, I can't see myself wearing no purple and gold as a uniform. Like, ah, that wasn't really appealing to me. And as a- cause I, uh, I went on that trip when they play Auburn. That's when they mm-hmm. beat Auburn and Demetrius Bird made the last second Catch and did the that's when they started the you know you can't see me mm. and they went on to win a championship that year and what like I said what made it so crazy about that story is because LSU didn't recruit me until like late October you know towards when it was getting close to the signing day and when I went down to visit I told my mom when I love her, I can't see myself da. da, da, da. Um, and I started thinking about it more, just like really dissect the whole process, because that's what young guys don't do nowadays. They don't really dissect the process. They mm-hmm. guys want to go into a, a campus off of who what they did or, you know, the name of that college. You want to put yourself in the best position possible because this is a job audition for you. You ain't trying to go there. LSU is already LSU. Miami is already Miami, but is Miami or LSU of that team that you choose going to put you in the best position to get where you're trying to go? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Versus worrying about, oh, this Ohio State, Ohio State going to get me there. No, you still got to put the work in. You know what I mean? So it's all about, you know what I mean, you going going and and, and solidifying yourself. But LSU, going back, going through the process, thinking about I was like, man, you know what? LSU is the best possible position, uh, is the best school for me because Everybody was leaving the secondary. My whole, my whole goal was to go somewhere and be a trendsetter. So LSU was one of those came down to common. One of the main factors came to, they never had a Jim Thorpe winner. So they never had a DB that was as decorative as I was coming into college. Now I want to be the, I want to, I want to compete that, that process. I know the model that it takes to do that. So I want to do the same old thing again. And I did that and I created that DBU formula or that DBU atmosphere there because I set my mind up to do that. LSU put me in the best position to do that. Yeah. You know, not saying that Florida State couldn't have done that, but they got the D.N.s. They got the Terrell Buckley's. They got, you know, B. BMAC, uh, commodities. LSU ain't had no Pat P. Mickey, Mickey, Mickey was mad at me because you didn't go to Florida State to – I knew he was. Hey man, ahead, that's one you. of my that's that's one that's my guys too, man. I, I tell Coach all the time. I say, man, why I look like you chewing on gum and you got nothing in your mouth? Nothing in the mouth. Because <laughs> he getting ready to spit them curse words out? Cause, exactly. Cause Angela, cause you you
3: out so much, man. Man, but right. hey, Pat, it all it all worked out for you, though.
2: No doubt about it, man. It was a blessing. I you know I got a started a beautiful beautiful family with my wife. I went first round, like I said, started a got the, the gym, the thor- a and the veterinarian. Only three DDs and college history has received the Bettener and the Jim Thorpe in the same year. Charles yep. Woodson, Charles Woodson, me and my boy Minka for Pittsburgh. Patrick.
3: Yeah. Yep. Well, shoot. For me, Pat, my five visits were my first visit was just similar to you. My first time ever getting on an airplane was to Michigan. Um, I remember, remember it like it was yesterday, December 3rd. So I go to Michigan. I had Michigan, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida state, Miami. Miami was the last trip for me. I think my Florida state could have been the fourth, I think. I guess the, the best trip was Florida state because I signed to Florida state. Uh, mm-hmm. crazy trip. I go to Tennessee and I really was rocking with Tennessee heavy. I go to Knoxville. You guys never been to Knoxville. It's all about Tennessee football. I mean, it's a college town. Right. <laughs> uh, they love the Vols there. So I go to Tennessee mm-hmm. and I went by myself. So all, all the trips I went to was I went solo. The only trip, you know, my, my folks went to was Tallahassee. Um. even when I was going to Miami, I went Miami by myself. I drove down, down the street. Like you said, right, right down the street for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I go to Tennessee and it's like 27, 27 recruits there on that, on that, on that visit. And I was really, like mm-hmm. I said, rocking with Tennessee, man. I, I was like, man, I can, I can see myself here. But what turned me off with Tennessee is right. at the time head coach Phillip Fulmer. He was the head coach of the Vols at that time and he Mm -hmm. called me to his office and he had that little one-on-one meeting with the prospects and you know what i'm talking about every time a prospect goes to a visit he get an opportunity to have a one-on-one meeting with the coach either with his guardian whoever whoever uh, came with him on that trip i was solo so he sat me down in his office and mind you you know i'm like i'm enjoying myself i'm thinking he's gonna have some good things to say for me he was basically trying to put pressure on me (laughs) that's one thing i advise recruits don't allow these coaches to finesse you into committing You only commit when you're ready to do so. He was like, McFadden, I I don't know if, uh, you know, if we're going to be able to hold a scholarship for you. So if you don't commit this weekend, you know, we might not have a scholarship for you. So we want to know what, what are you going to do? And in my mind, I'm like, huh? Man, I'm one of the highest (laughs) rated guys on this trip. Like. That's what I'm going through in my thought in, my, in right. my mind, right? My my, my thought mm-hmm. process is like, yo, I'm the highest rated guy on this trip, the number one corner in the country, one of the top DBs in the country, and you telling me you might not be able to hold a scholarship for me if I don't commit this weekend, <laughs> mind you. Signing day was like three or four weeks away, so instantly I got, got turned off. So he tried to finesse me. I didn't, fo- mm-hmm. I didn't fold. I was like, man, you know what? I'm gonna enjoy myself. I'm not coming here. So weren't kicking it. I landed in Tallahassee, and we all know what Tallahassee yeah, got offer. Yes, sir. The moon. The moon. No question. No question. Now, listeners, viewers, it's time for Cardinals check-in. This past week, Cardinals had a bye week. So we don't necessarily get a specific recap because they didn't play in a ball game. But one thing we can get insight on is what did Pat P and the rest of his teammates do during this abnormal bye week? But before we get into that, Pat, big-time news dropped today. Two positive Covid nineteen test came from the Arizona Cardinals. One player, Devon Kennard. Man, what are you hearing, and and what is the team advising you guys to do uh, to make sure you guys are safe and to make sure that number does not increase, especially for the big ball game you guys have coming up this Sunday against Miami.
2: Well, you know, just continuing, just to be smart and be mindful of uh, of your surroundings. You know, for the most part, making sure that you're practicing the social distancing, uh, wearing your mask. Um, unfortunately that those guys attract the, the virus over the bye week, but that's kind of, that might be a, uh, that can be a blessing in disguise for us, you know, that, that, that it, that more guys was not around them to bring it, you know, to make it bigger than what it is. So, um, the team is doing a great job. We're, we're right now in intensive protocol right now. So the team is doing a great job making sure that the building is uh heavily sanitized and making sure that we're now, you know, now we're even in smaller groups when it comes to film study and, and, and working out. So they're just taking the, the proper steps to making sure that nobody else is uh in harm's way.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, with their, with you guys didn't play a ball game, so there's no game to discuss. So during this Cardinals check-in, we'd like to focus in on your head coach, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh-oh. I mean, it seems like you have a real good relationship with your head coach. He's only 41 years old, extremely young. Uh, he's your fourth mm-hmm. head coach in your professional career. Uh, talk about the relationship you have, and the relationship the entire team has with him.
2: uh you know, coach just get it. You know, you know, coach yeah. didn't come in and, and, and try to to make you know like stick out his chest like this is my team. Da 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 it's my way or the highway coach was able to uh, coach came in with open ears you know wanting to listen listen to a guys input uh, uh coach does a great job of taking care of our bodies making sure that we're we're fresh as possible when it's time to hit the field on Sundays uh he's yep. he's truly a, a a player's coach he uh he understands us and in, in my opinion i really think that him coming from college really put him in a, a great position to be a great head coach in a sense of having to be, and he don't have to really do this, you know, in this league, but having to come up from, I'm sure coach had opportunities to, to coach in like higher school and having the opportunity to coach up in college, but seeing that atmosphere and what give, you know, kids or, or certain guys juice and he kind of brought the atmosphere here, far as you know how how close knit that we are, you know, certain things that we do as a team, how how he talked to his players. You know, coach is a one of a kind, and I'm I'm happy to uh, to be his player, uh, one of his players, um, um, on this roster. Hopefully, moving forward as well. But coach just get it, man, and he and he's a guy that that's willing to do whatever for his players to make sure that we're successful.
3: You know, speaking of one of a kind. He also has a one of a kind house. And if you guys yeah, didn't does. get a chance to see uh the video during the virtual draft from <laughs> this past April, I mean, coach Cliff Kingsbury was doing the draft from his living room and he had the fireplace right. lit. And I was like, I know Arizona is not cold right now, but that was just a part of the, you know, the 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 image he was Set trying up. to uh display. Have you been to the Crib yet, Pat? Ha- has coach invited you to the Crib yet? <laughs>
2: Nah, I mean, I mean, I have been invited to the crib, but you know, with, with, with two girls and, and crazy schedule, it's kind of tough for our schedules to, to match up, especially, you know, in the evenings times. I did see the crib on, on, on that same photo, photo that you guys saw. Yep. Uh, and I text coach, I say, man, you're living large, man. You're living large, Cletus. <laughs> <laughs> and he you hey, got he the, doing nice it the right way. I'm a back mountain. No yes, doubt about it. And deserve, and, deser- and, and deservingly so. The future is bright, bright for the Arizona on the carton team. Arizona yeah. Cardinals organization with uh Cliff Kingsbury for sure.
3: Yeah, talking about bright futures. Uh every year the trade deadline uh surfaces. Uh this Tuesday the trade deadline will be here. We're starting to see some players, you know, move already. You know, some teams are trying to uh, you know, just clear space and get ready for the future. Some teams are trying to make moves to uh, solidify a potential playoff push. You know, what's the mood like that day? You know, when you talk about having the trade deadline on your off day. And usually that's in the off day for most teams outside of the two teams that are playing on Thursday night. What's the vibe like for most players who may be a bit uncertain if they will stay in place or will or if they will have a new team? You
2: no, know, it's kind of uncertain to to kind of really feel what the vibe is. Cause you know, guys kind of know who's on the bubble or or who's kind of like you know you you hear things you know so trying to figure out the vibe before trade deadline because that's obviously something that's out of your hands so it's kind of like you not in the limbo it's kind of like you you just kind of go on the on on your normal day but when when you're a guy like I you know like I was in in, or you know like how guys are this year Mm -hmm. that start getting traded from bad teams onto contenders they are in the point of their career. Career to where, you know, they're trying to win and losing sucks. Don't get me wrong. Losing sucks. And, 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 and I just want to get an understanding on how it's not okay for a player to ask for a trade, but it's okay for GMs to trade players. Mm-hmm. That don't make any sense for me. Fans and, and, and audience get upset when a, a player wants to trade. Why? Yeah. You know, when we're at the same dispense as, as this, as, as this GM. Everybody, as you know, as as most GMs will say, everybody is tradable. Mm-hmm. So if if a player is asked for a trade, why I got to get crucified, or why the player has to get crucified mm-hmm. off asking for a trade? Mm-hmm. But anywho, it's kind of hard to gauge, you know, especially with this team that we have right now on what the mood is like as far as trade deadline. But when you're on a bad team, you kind of know, obviously, you know, yeah. people talk, you know, as always, you. You know, you're in the locker room, and things, you know, things get brought up in the atmosphere. But this, what this team right here, it, it, the mood is great, man. We're five and two, in a great position. We just came off a great win, and looking mm-hmm. forward to see how how good we can finish uh, within this nine week season.
3: Yeah. And usually, Pat, you got to look at teams that are usually extremely, uh, aggressive during trade deadline. They're probably a team that's trying to search, uh, search for who, who they are as a ball club, but they're just trying to rattle the fence that's a little right. bit, shake things up. You don't usually see big teams, right. good teams making, uh, moves. Unless injuries provide that opportunity and you guys have been fairly right. healthy. And like you said, you're number two in your division, arguably one of the toughest divisions in the National Football League. And you clearly have your eyes set on the playoffs. So, you know, just got to dodge the injury bug and keep chopping wood, you know. And with that being said, yeah. chopping wood, let's look ahead. Your week nine matchup against the Miami Dolphins. Now, Miami, they've been playing some real good football as of late. You know, they already traveled out west to uh, take care of the San Francisco 49ers. At that time, they had a different quarterback in the lineup, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, this past week, they played against another NFC West uh, opponent in the Los Angeles Rams. They defeated the Rams 28-17 to with Tua Tungvaluwa's debut as the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. He didn't really do a lot, Pat. 12 or 22, 93 yards and a touchdown. But, heck, he didn't have to do a lot. I mean, what they did was dominate in the other phases of the ball game, special teams and defensively. The Rams outgained the Dolphins 471 to 145 in yards. The I Dolphins mean, scored defensively, special team wise, and heck, almost another defensive touchdown. The guy yeah. got tackled on the one yard line, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know; it's a small, small sample size of Tua Tungavailoa. But what are your thoughts about him as a player? He played in the SEC, had a lot of success. Uh, you did. You haven't really seen a lot of him. You know, in a NFL uniform, but what are your expectations from him and offensively from the Miami Dolphins?
2: Honestly, it's hard to, to gauge on what they're going to do, you know, cause evidently we weren't able to see much of, uh, of them last week. If you look at the stat sheet, you'd be like, how the heck the Rams lost this game? You know, having 400 plus offensive yards, thir- 31 plus first downs. I mean, the list goes on, but then when you look at the turnover margin and you look at what special teams did that's how they end up losing that game but he's a gamer i think uh, i mean you've seen it you have seen it time and time and time again um when he was in on on the college level and those were big stages you know the only thing that's changed now is just that he's in the nfl the biggest the biggest stage and he's and he's performed on the biggest stage when he was in college you know i believe one of the most impressive things that i've ever seen uh from a, a, a college performer or, or or college athlete in a game was to come down in that that what it was the championship game right Yep. um yep. Was it what, the, yeah, the championship game down what 10 points i believe something like that going mm-hmm. into half time maybe worse i can't recall what it was but coming into that game didn't have any reps probably didn't even have any thoughts of playing in this game And to come in that game and do what he did, that just goes to show the kid is the gamer. And, um, to say, what can I expect from it or what can we expect? It's hard to tell, man. It's hard to tell. They didn't do much. Yeah. I I
3: got a question for you, Pat. Uh, a few weeks ago, when you guys were playing against Andy Dalton, I know you stated that you guys want him, you wanted to force him to beat you. And you felt like if you guys did that, defensively, you would have success with Tua being a young quarterback. Do you have the same thought process? in attacking their offense,
2: forcing the young fella to beat you? Oh, for sure. I mean, Matt, you know, you played in this game. With a young quarterbacks, you know what their office coordinator is going to do is try to take the ball out of their hands, which means run, 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 bootleg screens, give them easy read, quick yep. games, RPOs, you know, trying to get him in the rhythm. So if we stop that run and get those guys behind the sticks early, win first down, make it more predictable football, then that's when you get in the phase of forcing Tua to beat you because now you're taking them, you're taking the run game away. Because yeah. now you're winning first downs, and now teams, as you know, offenses don't like being behind the stick. So if you win, if you win first down, evidently you can't run and get two more yards and make it. You know third and nine. Now you want to try to get a quick game in there or something quick or out of the quarterback's hands or a boot to make it more third down and manageable. So our goal is definitely to win first down, take the ball out of the running back's hands and, and force two of the beaters to beat us as well.
3: Now it's time for a round the League in the National Football League. A lot of big time stories occurred over the weekend. And one of the biggest stories from this mm-hmm. past Sunday's ball game was uh it, it involved the Chicago Bears and New Orleans Saints. Uh the Bears wide receiver Javon Williams punches, sucker punches Saints DB Chauncey Gardner-Johnson maybe two or three times out of nowhere. We've seen uh, s- some issues between wide receivers and DBs in the past, but this what what occurred this past Sunday in Chicago is something that no one expected to see. Pat, what would your reaction be as a DB if you saw one of your fellow DBs get punched in the face while he has a helmet on by the way, out of
2: nowhere. What would your reaction be? Hey, man, you know what? When I first, first saw the first clip, I was like, damn, like, they got some real beef going on. Like, what the heck happened? Then you go back and watch, I think, like, two plays previously, CJ poke like, literally poke almost, like, intentionally put his finger in Miller. The, in I Miller's got, face. Yeah, in yeah. Miller's face, man, is almost poking his eye out. So like, that I was uncalled for. So at the end of the day, Javon had his receivers back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and as a DB though, I gotta go have my brother back. Cause obviously I don't know what's going on at, cause obviously you in the heat of the moment, you don't know what happened pr- uh, previously, what went on prior to that play. So I'll, I'll be just like Jackrabbit because Jackrabbit was right there in front of him, Like, Hey, what's, what, oh, these boys serious. I got to go in there and protect my brother. You know what I mean? And, and if it was me, hell, I was getting suspended too, man. I'm, I'm being right there with Jabon. I was, I would have got two games too. So Tom <laughs> Pelissero on Twitter.
3: Uh tweeted out Bears wide receiver Javon Wims told team officials that Saints cornerback C.J. Gardner-Johnson spit on him in addition to ripping out mm. his mouthpiece during Sunday's game before he sucker-punched Gardner-Johnson, per sources. Now, hearing that, now we don't know exactly how true that is or not, but just hearing that, right. do you look at that incident differently from Wims if he's claiming Gardner-Johnson spit on him?
2: That's disrespectful. I would have been saying, hey, I'm I'm coming from both ends. (laughs) (laughs) That's disrespectful, man. You can't spin on another man and not expect nothing to happen, except if he's a man. So this is my question, right?
3: When you look at the highlight, and we saw these two interact before that play when Gardner Johnson pulled out Wim's mouthpiece from his helmet. So the next play, the play was going the opposite direction. He jumps in Gardner's face and – it was like when did he spit on him? Is my question. Like which play did that occur? If it actually yeah. happened,
2: because yeah.
3: that's 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 the gray area for me. Is like did he spit on you when he pulled your mouthpiece from your face mask? And if so, I don't think you could. I don't think you can hold that reaction. Because number one, you're not expecting yeah. someone to spit on you. So if he's if he if he spit on you when he pulled your mouthpiece, Pat, you waited a whole play to react. Like that doesn't. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, if 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 that is true, I I mean, you you definitely can't do that. Yeah, you, you yeah, can't be my face. No,
3: no. But but number one, I'm not waiting to play Pat for me to react if someone spit my face. I'm
2: right. Ra- I'm reacting. Yeah, right, right, right then, then and there. And yeah. there. yeah, yeah, yeah see Yeah, right then and there, it's, it got to go down. Yeah, because, and, and I'm I not. Mean, you're not. I know in a football them. game, and I know what I mean to the team. But, bro, my instincts going to kick in, and I'm a man first. You know what I mean? I'm a man first. And a dude comes spitting in my face. That is one of the most ultimate disrespect signs in the world. Yeah, you can't, you, you know, can't so that, that, that just, that, that, yeah. no, that just can't happen.
3: I mean, I guess we got to wait and see exactly what comes, what, what more comes from that story. But if that happened, yeah, I'm okay with Wims doing what he's, what he did. Now, if he didn't get spit on, you can't do that. You got to act like a professional. Right. And other Forget news about. throughout the national football league, let's go up to the North, AFC North, the yeah. Steelers, yeah. shout out to Mike Tomlin. improved to seven and zero, And I know exactly what the secret is for Pittsburgh. Um, granted, they're playing good football, Pat, but you got to really think about what happened weeks ago. We had two Steeler members on our show. We had Juju Smith Schuster and we had Mike Tomlin. And all I'm saying is maybe some good luck coming from all things covered because outside of those guys, guess who else we had on Tyron Matthew, right? Oh yeah. The Chiefs only one loss. You know what I mean? D Hop the Cardinals five and two. Every individual we basically had on that's associated with the NFL team, they're winning. Man, right now they're winning. So you guys might need to pay attention to that. But right now the Steelers are seven and zero. Mike Tomlin made big time news outside of you know becoming still remaining uh, as an undefeated team. Uh, He's now the winningest black head coach in NFL history, surpassing Tony Dungy. Man, that, that that's a big time achievement. Uh, do you believe yeah.
2: right now currently they're the best team in the NFL, the Steelers, that is? Oh, man, as of right now, besides us, yeah, they are. Because, you know, the thing I love about Pittsburgh, man, they can win in so many different ways. You know, and that's a beautiful thing to be able to win in so many ways. They can win the gritty way. They can blow you out. They can win those, those games where they have to come back. They Mm -hmm. can win those games to where, you know, the defense have to make a play just in that game right there. When at the last tell in that game, defense had to come up with a stop. And that's typical Pittsburgh formula. Like you said, you know what it takes. You know what it, what it, what it comes down to. And for, I can't remember the player name, but for number 97, no, 97 is Hayward, 96, I believe he was a nose tackle. Nah, this guy, he was a nose tackle. It wasn't Hayward though, man. The the, weight, it was the last bit of the game. It was fourth and two. Yeah, bugs. That's what it was. It was bugs. Fourth and two, and the way he played the hat in hands and was able to shed the block and make a tackle on one of the most elusive quarterbacks to ever play the game, in Lamar Jackson, and to get him down for that pivotal moment in that game. But like I said, that's a typical Pittsburgh win, and I didn't know this coming down to it. How great this that robbery rivalry, rivalry is that. The points up until that matchup, I can't remember how many match they, matches that they had. The points were dead even mm-hmm. on how many points each team scored. Oh, that's crazy a, to me. That's an identical ball game. Both teams
3: resemble each other, you know, to the T. It's a physical. When we play mm-hmm. the Ravens pack, you know, usually some guys might miss that workout. You know what I mean? Like if you work out Monday, you might not work out on your oh, no. off day. When we it's play the Ravens. Hot. Yeah, oh, we work out hot. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday. Oh, yeah. you and you might get you a quick, ball, little, a quick little workout Saturday before you go mm-hmm. to the airport or before you go home because it's going to be it's going to be, be warm up. It's a bathroom fight. It's one of those middle school right. bathroom fights. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so exactly. you know it's going to be a brawl. You know what I mean? And you want to be the last man standing. So uh that's the type of – that's the mindset. And I think one of the most impressive things about Coach T is that he's never experienced a losing season. In 14 years mm. of coaching in the National Football League, this man has never experienced a losing season. That's impressive. That's impressive. And mm. right now, you know, he's one game away from accomplishing that feat and I think he will. They have the Dallas Cowboys coming up uh this week. Shout out to all the Cowboys fans. But Oh yeah. Uh, the Steelers going to keep chopping wood. Yeah. And 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 outside of the Steelers in the AFC North, the team they have just defeated in the Baltimore Ravens, they made big news last week in signing uh, a guy you've matched up with quite a few times in your career, and Des Bryant to the Ravens practice mm-hmm. squad. Uh, yep. You know, when you look at Des Bryant's career and where he is now currently, do you believe there's a good opportunity for him to be able to help? The Ravens offense, you know, when it comes to pass catchers and being able to help become a,
2: a, another reliable target for quarterback Lamar Jackson. I believe so. Des Bryant is a dog. You know, when he's healthy and he's in his mind is in the right place and his, his mind is on the game, he's one of the best out there. I mean, and we've seen that in his first six years of his career. The last two, unfortunately, fighting through injuries, tearing his Achilles and uh, in New Orleans, being cut from Dallas. So he had to go through some trials and tribulations. But I, I I think that Dez has found himself. You know, I follow Dez. You know, I and I you know we text every now and every now and then, but seeing him continue standing in that grind, because you see most guys that's out right now, they ain't working. They just hoping and, and on the couch, waiting on the phone call. Dez is out there grinding and showing that he's ready. And that's what I love about Dez. He's like I said, he's a dog and he's a guy that wants to do whatever it takes to help his team win ball games. And those are the type of guys that, that's, that's undeniable and he's passionate. He loves to win. And you know, how can you deny a guy that loves to win? Dez is a, a great addition to that receiver core that can win those 50-50 balls downfield versus, you know, uh, Lamar just throwing those shots to Brown. Now he can be a little bit more comfortable or, or putting those 50-50 balls up with a bigger body, with a more physical receiver out there on the uh, outside of numbers. So, I'm excited to see Dez back in the league. I'm happy for him. I can't wait to see uh what's gonna happen and uh, I can't see that I can't wait to see that first X. I'm happy okay. we don't play the Ravens first. I mean, <laughs> play the Ravens this year.
3: Hey, speaking of a mm-hmm. team, you, you you've played and you will play again. Uh in your division, uh the Seattle Seahawks took care of their business against the San Francisco 49ers. They still remain atop yes, the NFC West. Uh but you know, I know there have been a lot of naysayers, you know, referring to you. And saying you fell off. You're not the same, you know, Pat P and you're not the lockdown guy, but I watched the San Francisco 49ers ball game with Seattle and, uh, that grown man Who's from Seattle. Him? Yeah. Huh? Which is Who's man, covering? Man, I, I don't know, but I know that grown oh. man in Seattle went all the way off. DK Metcalf, 12 receptions, 161, two touchdowns. I don't know who was covering them or who was trying, but clearly didn't have an answer. And maybe Holy they needed crazy. to have a guy who's falling off, right, that's to try to cover true. him because uh, the last time we saw DK, that's the only game this year he was under 90 yards, and mm-hmm. that was against the guy who fell off in Pat P, one reception yeah. for six yards. So I know a lot of people have been coming at you saying you fell off a little bit, but I don't know how you can fall off when you've been able to do what you've been doing Against one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League in DK Metcalf. So I guess continue to fall off, huh, Pat?
2: Hey man, I'm washed up, man. Only, only thing that's washed up is my beard. That's the only <laughs> thing I got grays in it, man. Ain't I'm no gray in the game shape, when you man. get in the bag. Nah, no doubt about it, man. I, I feel great in the, I feel great in, in, in this point in my career. Um, uh, DJ, uh, DK Metcalf is a great player. But like we alluded to last week, those are the type of receivers I, I, I love to guard. You know, those bigger physical receivers and, and the number ones and, and DK. Yeah. Those number ones and DK, you know, it's nothing but, nothing but respect between him and I. And I know that when I play him next time, uh, within three weeks, I know he's going to be geared up and ready to go. And cause of course I got to be geared up and ready to go because that's the next task I got on, um, on hand. And I got to be even more ready to go because the last time, the last two times we played, out of seventy-one coverages, I think he only received the ball twice. You know, so now I, I have to be even on more high alert when we play Seattle's thir- Thursday night in a couple of weeks. But, but I'm washed up, man. That's what they say, man. Just check the numbers. Just check. The numbers. I'm washed up, man. I'm washed up, man. Yeah. That's what they say. Well, keep using the same words. Out to my ops. You say the ops, huh? Man. No yeah, doubt. shout no out no to my was. ops. Hey man, you know what's crazy though? What's I just found out what the heck ops was about two months ago. Really? Heck. Yeah, because I always thought they were the saying. Was. No, because when I was hearing the song, I thought they were saying shout out to my cops. So I'm like, Oh, shout oh. Out to my cops. Hops. haters. Yeah, I'm These like, are what are you talking name. about? Yeah. That's so then I mean. uh I forgot who uh what song came out. It was it was either Travis Scott or uh Twenty One Savage. And so he kind of said ops and explained it. I was like, oh idiot. Yeah, I was like, cops? No, nah, man, we don't do that.
3: Well, listeners, viewers, it's halftime for us. All things covered. Patrick Peterson, Brian McFadden. We're gonna take a quick break. Get into the locker room, make a few adjustments. But when you come back in the second half, we got a special, special guest joining us here on All Things Covered. John Rom will be here with us in the show. One of the best golfers in the world. Stay tuned.
2: Rambo.
4: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com CBS Sports. That's T A I L O R B R A N D slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, All Things Covered, Patrick Peterson, Bryant
3: McFadden. Instead of leaving the locker room and jumping right back on the gridiron, we decided to switch it up for you guys a little bit. Remember, earlier in the show, we told you guys we have a very, very special guest joining us here, All Things Covered. We cover everything. We talk about entertainment. We talk about football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is. And today, guess what? We're going to talk golf. One of the best golfers in the world. Actually, number two in the world arizona state alum you look at what he's been able to do throughout his professional career he just recently won the bmw championship in august john rum nicknamed rambo thank you for (laughs) joining us here on all things covered man you're making history before the masters kick off you're actually our first golfer on our show so man it's a pleasure having you on the
1: show as you get ready for the masters Oh my, my pleasure to be here. Uh I didn't know <laughs> the first one, so <laughs> I'm excited. You know, I know. You know, I know. Patrick likes his golf, so you know, I'm excited to see what kind of questions I get on this one.
2: <laughs> That's awesome, man. So we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it. How how does it? How strange does it feel knowing that you're playing, preparing for the Masters in November, knowing around this time of the year you normally will be in my neck of the woods in Albany, um, but now you going to uh, a master uh, a Masters um, in Augusta and uh, in November. How, how, how strange is it, is it this year for you?
1: Uh, it's, it's different, but I think it's different because we're all really thankful, uh, to be able mm-hmm. to play the Masters, you know, right. uh, at one point during the year, it looked like it was not going to happen. Um, you know, Augusta closes after April, so we didn't know if it, in it was, if it was possible to do it. And, you know, getting ready for it, I think it's just more to contain the excitement than anything else. I actually came right. back Saturday. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're Tuesday right now. Came back from Augusta Saturday, practiced a little bit, and, you know, it's going to be the same. Maybe a little colder, maybe a little rainier. Right. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's Augusta National. Uh, for people I don't know, they can control grass like nobody else can. So right. I think just containing the excitement and, and you know, the wanting to play and, and and get it going.
2: What makes Augusta so special, though? Because every golfer always talk about Augusta yeah. is the the main
1: tournament that I want to
2: prepare for. Uh well, Is it the jacket, the course? Like, what is it?
1: I think it's the history. It's the mm. only major championship that's played on the same golf course every single year. Mm. And I think the history that it comes with, right? I mean, that golf course was created by the greatest amateur of all time, Bobby Jones, the greatest right. golf designer of all time, Alister Mackenzie. And you know, it's just some of the greatest moments of the history of the sport that have happened here. And right. it's uniqueness, right? It's it's hard to explain. Be, it's is the it's you know, for other sports terms, it's the Wimbledon of golf. Right. It's right. the same thing. It's the tradition, the history, That I really can't explain it, you know, besides yeah. traditional history. Special. Yeah, for right. every golfer, is the one thing you watch every year. I've seen every shot ever played at Augusta. It's right. it, it just you know the familiarity with it. Gotcha. Speaking of the Masters, John,
3: who do you believe is your biggest rival? You know, for the Masters, what name will you be following or paying attention to on the leaderboard?
1: Oh man, it's it's hard to tell, you know, because. Yeah, that tournament fits so many players. You know, it fits so many different playing styles. Uh, that's why you get since diverse winners, and every year is a different one. Uh, I would say because of the game we play, it's myself. I'm my biggest ally, my biggest rival, and the one to keep in check, right? So uh, it's me, myself, and I. Now, there's a lot of people playing really good golf. Obviously, it would be foolish to not say Patrick Canley, who just won a couple of weeks ago. Um uh, you know, Jordan Spieth, who, even, who hasn't played his best golf, it's always somebody to take into account. Possibly Tiger, Phil, Justin Thomas, anybody out there in the world, Rory McIlroy, there's so many options. Yeah. Uh, anybody shows up and it's just, you know, one good week and, and you know, they can take it. Hopefully it's me.
2: Right. <laughs> well, I'm definitely picking you to win it, Rambo. You're my choice to uh, win the Masters this year. But we've talked about your, uh, your previous win at the BMW championship. You hit 66 foot putt to win that championship over Dustin Johnson. I text you right after right after that putt and congratulate you, congratulating you, but describe that the emotions after draining that putt.
1: Oh, well, if somebody's seen the reaction, that says it all, right? <laughs> it's a bit of, it's just hard to believe that it happened, right? Right. I played probably best 36 holes of golf I played that weekend in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. I went from playing terribly the first two days to completely switching it and making up a big deficit in in, in those 36 holes. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I actually thought I had the tournament won. I didn't expect Dustin to make birdie on 18. He made a crazy putt. We go on the playoff mm-hmm. and I make it an even crazier one. Uh It's almost, I mean, it felt like to be on the playoffs. Yeah, it exactly felt like. Making, you know, just getting a Hail Mary in the last second of the play, just, uh, the second of the game to, to possibly make it up to the next round of the playoffs. Cause it was, right. you know, week before Atlanta and coming in second seed. So the emotion that comes out of that, cause it, again, mm-hmm. it takes so long for the ball to get to the hole. Um, right. And <laughs> seconds for that ball to roll all the way there. I can't, I can't explain it. I mean, you can, my reaction, it's probably similar to, uh, Kawhi Leonard's, um, I think it was in the conference finals. Right. Last yeah, year, the know, that shot just bounces three times around the hoop. It's it's right. very similar feel to those, right? I mean, except uh-huh. I don't have my teammates hugging me because it's just me on my caddy. And yeah, right. Dustin still had a putt to to tie. So, you know, right. at the same time, it's weird because I'm happy, but I need to stay in it just in case he makes it again. So, right. Uh, it, it was, it was weird.
2: <laughs> so when you standing over that putt, like you know you have to make, and obviously with you being a pro, every putt is important. Did you have that feeling or that urge knowing that you was going to make that putt?
1: Dude, I was trying to keep it inside six feet. <laughs> like a lot. It was such a hard putt and uh-huh. getting it to the hole wasn't the problem because it was all right. downhill. It was, it was giving myself the best chance to possibly extend the playoff. That's where my mind was. <laughs> it's like, well. Right it's it's what I can do. And, mm-hmm. you know, luckily I hit it on the right line and it caught the hole. But uh you can see it's funny because when I see the pot, I mean, it goes through all the spots that I kind of see the ball going through, right? right. I mean, all you know, know it goes to the top of the slope, goes to the apex, starts going down. And at one point I mm-hmm. freeze because I'm like, no way in hell. They is got a ball. shot.
2: They got a shot. <laughs> no way.
1: And it does go in. It's crazy. But my my original mindset is let's see if I can get it close enough so I don't have to stress to make the next putt.
2: Right. Yeah. Man, that's amazing.
3: Yo, John, so in 2019 Masters, you finished T9, just three strokes off the lead. But as, as a fan of the game, what was it like to see Tiger capture that green
1: jacket? Huge, huge. Cause, you know, when I came as a pro, Tiger hasn't, hasn't been the Tiger that we've all known, right? He's had injuries. He hasn't been able to play his best and, and, and you know, it, it, I'm in the same field as him playing tournaments, but it's tough to to not see him content. And I was lucky enough to be present when he won at Eastlake, mm-hmm. which is first win in many years. And to be able to be there and feel the atmosphere as soon as Tiger took the lead on that 15th hole, because I was at the golf course still, and you can feel <laughs> The electricity right. going around is crazy. And... You know, not going to get in the debate of who's the best and who's not the best and who's the GOAT or not. In my opinion, Tiger has played the best golf anybody's ever seen right. for years, right? And right. for him to come back and win a major 11 years after his last one, after all the back surgeries, all the problems, all the people that counted him out said he was mm-hmm. done. It was never going to happen again and get it done, you know, with all the people that were contending that day. Because you have Brooks coming, you have Dustin, you have Xander, a lot of people that were putting pressure on him. Mm-hmm. And you see that 16th hole, that shot he hit, almost makes hole one makes that yeah. two-shot lead. It's crazy, right? And yeah. I think the most beautiful part out of all is to see the images, right? Tiger won his first Masters in 97 when he was 20 or 21, mm-hmm. and he's hugging his dad. Yeah. He's full a poor circle when he finishes. He's won his fifth green jacket, and his kids, who are 11 and 13, I believe, are right there to, to see him win, right? So, you know, you see yeah. the, the circle of life go through, and his dad wasn't there, but now he's the dad as a champion. It's It was a pretty cool moment for golf. Yeah. Do you think he has a chance to defend that 2019 Masters title this year? Of course, of course. Augusta is the one – Augusta, I would say, is the one golf course that he's going to have the best chance year in and year out. Right. Length, is I agree. Not, length is not an issue, right? He's such a – good iron player and such a good creative um, short game player that any given year he can win. I mean, like what? I said, some of the names I've mentioned, Tony Finau, Brooks, and Dustin hit it way further than he did last year. Mm-hmm. But length isn't everything at Augusta National. So it's it's the one major I think he should be confident he can win. Now, we don't know how he is physically, uh, you know, how his back is going to hold up and how he has. And he hasn't been able to play as much golf as I think he, he would like. So we'll see. But, I, I, mean, I mean, I believe he has a chance, and I hope I deny that chance. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Well, John, I had an opportunity. I have the pleasure to have known you almost three years now and being able to, to play at Whisper Rock and Silver Leaf and see the grind that you put in. Tell the fans a little bit, how, how do, did you go from a late commitment to Arizona State to number one in the oh. world in seven years?
1: How much time do we have? We got all the time you need, John. All the time you need. Well, my, my story is crazy, right? I mean, I'm coming from Spain. Uh, I grew up in a town with 1,200 people. Uh, it's a miracle that I play golf, really. And as I was going up in the ranks. My dad did tell me, you know, uh, if you want to study and get your degree, your best chance is to go to the U.S. And that seemed like a, such a far fetched dream to me. Uh, now, once I made up my mind of possibly going, I had no idea how the recruiting process worked. I had no clue that coaches wouldn't allow to speak to athletes and players. So, cause that seems so backwards in my mind, right? I mean, all, all I've seen, you know, as a young player was uh, different sport coaches and different sports being, you know, people being contacted to be able to, to play for different teams and, and, and whatnot. So I was just waiting for somebody to talk to me, honestly. Uh, and the only reason why I got in contact with a, with a coach is, I was playing a tournament representing Spain as a team. Uh, the, it's called the European Boys Championship, the under 18. Each country in Europe comes uh, brings six of the best players, and, and we play in this uh, qualifying section. and I saw a guy with a San Francisco shirt on you know. And the only reason I knew San Francisco in a little bit, because besides the movies is because my grandma had just been to San Francisco that summer. So I strike up a, up a mm-hmm. conversation, which happened to be the head coach of University of San Francisco. I, I start a conversation, which apparently is legal. I have no idea. And <laughs> he follows me and I finish 600 on the last 10 holes. And then I go on to win every single match for Spain and we win the championship wow. shortly after I had a scholarship. Right. So that was, um, that was a, you know, reality. Now then Arizona state came in with a very, very late offer and I think it was in May where I got off and I had to be in school in August uh, and I had no idea. The only thing I knew about Arizona State is, uh, you know, there was a good uh, Spanish history there. Uh, there's two girls on the LPGA, two girls that won nationals there. Um, and then one Spanish man that actually won nationals for Arizona State, whose name is Alejandro Cañizares played really good golf. So I was like, you know what? It's good weather, good golf, good history. Might as well go. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the only. The only thing, well, the only reason why I decided and, uh, my dad put me on a plane, never did an official visit, never been to the States. Uh, my English was very different to what it is right now. And yeah, and I arrived at Arizona State. Like I said, I came from a town of 1200 people and I go to wow. a city that has 70,000 students. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, so John,
3: is there any truth? You, you talked about, you know, your English wasn't very, very good, but is there any truth to the story that you actually learned English listening to rap music? Listen, I didn't
1: learn English like that. It really, <laughs> it really helped, uh, understand certain things. Uh, okay. it thing helped me the most with was being able to, you know, to accelerate my thought process and be able to keep up with the conversation. And it was kind of like a verbal exercise, you know, to, to be able uh, to uh, to keep up and, and get my speed better and pronunciation and, and things like that. Uh, I didn't learn grammar. Cause and not, not in that sense. Uh, but I did learn a lot of slang in that sense and understand a lot about the U S, which helped out a lot, uh, just in day to day basis. Right. So who, who were you listening to? What rappers? Oh, hundred percent of the time was Kendrick Lamar and stuff. A hundred percent.
2: like, he like Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. K-Dot. Okay. So the, and
1: the, yeah. come for Kenny. Right. So the only reason why <laughs> I got into it is, is one of my teammates basically knew every single lyric to every song of kendrick little wayne and many other great artists and he could rap it at speed and everything no matter the speed and i'm like oh this is cool and i really just focused got the lyrics of my first song i ever learned was backstreet freestyle by kendrick and i really oh, just yeah. out. i'm like i'm gonna learn this and i memorized the whole thing understood absolutely nothing but i was able <laughs> to memorize and actually sing it at speed and i kind of Became a fun thing to do to be able to sing it with my teammates. And it was shortly after I started understanding, uh, but that, that's, yeah, I mean, that's why it helped me pick up speed. And the, the main two, it's, yeah, I mean, it's Kendrick and Eminem. Um, nice. that's the main two, but I listen to everything, obviously right now, recently I've gotten extremely into Polo G. Oh
2: okay. yeah. Polo G. Polo, Polo G. G.
1: Hey, hey, yeah. Pat, can we put John on the spot right quick? John,
2: yeah,
3: I know you handle pressure extremely well, but could, can you rap us your favorite Kendrick
2: verse? He said, he said backstreet freestyle. That's I, I, I want to hear,
3: I want to, I want to hear you
1: rap it. Can you rap it for us? Oh, dude, no, not, not, not a capella. I'm not going to, I mean, <laughs> you're putting me too much on the spot because I don't know. <laughs> being fully be honest, I do not want to say the wrong words. And I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> you're not going to get in trouble. You're, you're not going to get in trouble. We make sure we can edit whatever we need to do. But I want to hear this kid to come at you. When it starts, you know, I'm rolling dough with a good grind. uh uh-huh. I run a hole with a putain. That's I really raised with a bouquet. They say, okay. you know, so that whole part, I had no clue what was going on. Like the whole, I wrote, you know, rolling dough with a good grind. I was like, what is this? You know, what does that mean? <laughs> First time I read, I, I read it, I was like, okay, what the heck is this going on? To me, it was just a bunch of words that made no sense. Right. which to understand the, the aspect of all things right now, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Right, uh, No question. Hey, it, it, it's, John, it's you, know,
2: you know, you, you quite get uh, criticized all the time about the emotions that you show on the golf course, which I love, but where do that come from? Like, where does that fire come from?
1: It's the only sport where getting mad is a problem, apparently. Uh, <laughs> every other sport, you're passionate in golf, you have anger issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it comes from, I, I mean, I think it's just competitiveness, com- yeah. competitiveness, this is the willingness to win, the want yeah. to win and, you know, the, uh, not expecting, but demanding the best out of myself. So, yeah. uh, that's where it comes from. And, and that competitive grind, that's, that's all where it comes from. I mean, love mm-hmm. for the game, passion for the game and the love of winning, you know, it's, yeah. it's the whole thing combined. Uh, that, you know, miss a shot or something bad happens. I mean, I truly get upset at myself, but, uh, that is, it's competitive anger, the best way I can call it, right? I mean, it's just the one thing to win. No question. I love, I love that. And also
3: too, Pat, it. when he's bumping in that Kendrick Lamar, it's kind of hard to be cool, calm on the court <laughs> when you're bumping that Kendrick Lamar like John is well, bumping. I, so, you um, know, I, I have it. a
1: playlist. I don't know if you can see. Uh, if I'll be able to what's see. on your playlist? Let, uh, let us so see what's I on have, the playlist. I have a warm up playlist. Okay. Where, it's cool, yeah, it's free rounds, basically. If you start seeing the first, mm-hmm. all the first songs. Oh, yeah. You don't get into all, all the until, all until very far Thank down. Yeah. So Yo, first one, so, crack a bottle. That's the first one that's not, uh, actually, no, it's not a free by Eminem. Man, this is great stuff, man. John has actually showed us his
3: playlist. His so, there's a good chance this that, it, that playlist yeah. is what you're going to be listening to at the masters is that, that's going on the to be ring. On, the oh, on the practice range on the practice range. Yeah.
1: Just, oh. So before every round I have my headphones on and I'm I always start putting. Yep. And uh yeah that's I start with it and sometimes uh, you know I used to have an order not anymore but the, lately I've not started uh I started with patiently waiting you know by Eminem and, and 50 Cent. Mm. Yep. Right. Um uh, you know the watch popping remix start with that and then just let the playlist go on with whatever it wants. Uh but yeah that's uh just the songs I like I've been doing it since college um, yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's something that it's crazy enough I was doing it you know just without thinking about it really just trying to get hyped before around a lot of times we had to play 36 holes and we woke up so early that kind of had to wake up mm-hmm. and, and just stuck with me you know at one point I stopped doing it and I you know I found myself not being on the intensity I needed on the first tee so uh this helps yeah, me and Pat myself.
3: had a discussion about music, uh, with, with our careers and clearly I'm, I'm retired, but Pat talked about some of the things he listens to before he goes out to battle. And, and I love hearing that from you because golf is not a physical sport. Um, but you, you attack the game like it's a physical sport, you know, mm-hmm. emotionally yeah. when it comes to the physical standpoint. And I, I really enjoy watching you go off and do your thing too. So give us a little bit, some of that aggression when you get out there in the masses in Augusta, you know, give us a little, Arr. when we see that, we know,
1: you know, you giving us a shout out here on all things covered. See, the yes, funny sir. thing is Pat's met me many times. I'm so different off the golf course. Like I'm still 25, you know, I'm a joyful kid. That's the best way I can explain it. It says when you're in competitive mode, when yep. you just, you know, flip a switch when it's time to exactly. get it done, it's time to get it done. Besides that, you know, you gotta enjoy life. And that's a mistake yeah. a lot of people make is judging us, Good especially athletes coming to say for what we do on the court, on the field, or on the golf course. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're the same. Off of it. That's- well, last question
3: for you, John, yeah. before we jump into the superlative part of our show. Uh, golf is largely known for having an older, predominantly white audience. And when you look at where the, where the game is going, how would you elevate where the sport is with accepting adverse, I mean, diversity and actively promoting it?
1: Yeah, you know, it's. I think it all depends on the countries. I think uh, golf has the stigma, especially in Spain too, of of being a higher end uh, sport, right? Especially because in Europe, the people that used to play were basically wealthier people that were in, uh, let's say, higher class society wise. And if you weren't fit to play, you weren't allowed to play, right? And in our case, we had Seve who completely changed the whole thing, and slowly you get more and more chances to play, right? Now, I don't know about the U.S. I think accessibility is the word I would use. Uh, I grew up going to a range, and when I say a range, it's a range. There's 200 yards and a fake putting green, and that's it. Uh, and it's a field with just flags on it that it was two euros, so, so just two bucks to get in, and then you just pay for your balls, right? So essentially, it was cheaper than any other place you know, any country club or any golf course to join and just play and learn how to play. Um, so I think in the U.S., that would be the main thing, right? I don't know of many places, especially here in Phoenix, that it's easy to just go and maybe try the game, right? I yeah. think up here in North so you have Cracker Jack, and that's about it. Besides that, it's a golf course you need to join, and, and it's just tough mm-hmm. to get into it. Uh, and so, yeah, that, I think that would be the best best way. Just just have an easier easier path for people who join especially you know financially right it's somewhere where you can just go and maybe pay an entry fee and and just practice as long as you want for no no time limit uh, plus I don't know if you know golf is not culturally or, or socially accepting I think we are it just depends where you grew up and who you're around right I think I spoke with Larry Fitzgerald about this once you know why he didn't play golf before because his dad did and he just told me that you know, from a young age, you know how to run, jump, catch, and throw. So it's easier to get into basketball, football, or other sports like that. It's just hard to pick up a golf club and absolutely suck at it because we all do it first. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right, we're going to
3: transition now to the superlative part of our show, and this is where we hit you with rapid-fire questions. You give us your honest, unbiased answer. Uh This should be easy for you. Favorite hole at the Masters?
2: 11. Best Halloween costume you have ever worn. <laughs>
1: I've only dressed up for Halloween once. Actually, oh, really? Yeah, you don't do it in Spain. Uh, well, one of them, uh, I was a CSI agent. And then the last time I ever dressed up, I was just, uh, I dressed us up uh, as a baby, basically as a okay. baby. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I saw that. Yeah. I think I saw that.
2: Yeah, I I saw I was, huh? was that surfing on the web
1: for sure somewhere? My friends probably. Yeah.
2: I think, there. I think I saw that one. I think a hundred
1: percent. We yeah. got We got
3: to find that picture. We got to find that picture. Yep yeah
1: (laughs) hey it's arizona it was hot you know it kind of worked out it worked out (laughs) best
3: nickname on tour
1: i'm going to say rambo rambo for sure
2: okay rambo for sure uh biggest performance on on tour
1: uh mine this year or anybody's yeah yours Ooh, mine I, i gotta say uh your first one on the PGA Tour, it's got to be Torrey Pines. The Pac-9 was... Oh, yeah. Much that, that,
2: that was the one you made a long putt to win it on that one, too.
1: Yeah. Right? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. That was a... I, I agree. That
2: was a uh, great, great uh, play. Yeah. I, I
1: like uh, the 60-footers and, to win tournaments, apparently. Is
2: a, and also... <laughs> and also, that was a great uh breaking through tournament for you as well.
1: Uh Best celeb athlete golfer. Ooh. Uh That I've played with? Yes. Well, I know... That you play
3: with, that you know personally, hi, hi, however, but you know they have some real good game on the course. Best athlete, celeb golfer.
1: Uh, well, that I've played, Patrick Peterson. Okay. My guy.
3: Uh huh. since, you know, you've been on the course with my guy, Pat P, could you give us a breakdown of, of his game, strength, weaknesses, <laughs> things like that? Fill us in on what Pat P game is like on the course.
1: So, so, <laughs> I just threw that in there, John. So I just hit you with a curve. I just threw a curveball. No, no, no curve this ball. is easy. So Pat is one of those players that has so much speed. I mean, being, you know, position, you're playing football. You're just strong, fast, athletic. So you have, a lot of speed for the amount of golf that you play, right? So sometimes it's hard to control. Uh, I mean, for people that don't know, he has, on an average swing speed, he has more speed than I do. Now, what he needs to learn how to control would be the shorter, shorter yardages, right? It's easy to hit a full swing and hit it full out and hit it consistently good. as those shots inside 130 yards would, you know, yep have to control that's where you kind of like when he's to improve everything else is good i mean he's a heck of a player for being a full-time football player right so the day he retires like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna take a guess and say his golf game is going to improve a lot (laughs) for sure well john we
2: appreciate you coming on we know you got masters prep to get back to man thank you again for coming on Hmm. we appreciate you john and uh we'll see you we'll see you in uh in augusta here pretty soon, brother
1: my pleasure and man next time we're doing this if you're gonna want me to rap let me know so i can pick a part that i'm not going <laughs> oh, oh oh, any oh. word that's insensitive or any airports or anything like that you know what i mean gotcha. yeah i got well,
3: you <laughs> john we'll give you a heads up and if you want to do multiple songs i'm pretty sure the the viewers and the listeners would be okay with that <laughs> so we appreciate you giving us what you gave us but if you want to be What's well prepared about? we make sure we and you know what john let you know this right now because i tend to uh gamble a little bit on professional sports and uh i'm going to ride with you as well so when yeah. the masters take off next week i'm gonna put something on the line and if i do happen to win when i come out to az i got you some nice wine and some nice dinner
1: perfect got it <laughs> and
2: for him and his beautiful bride kelly no question no question yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, thank sir. you very much i appreciate it john. All right. best of luck Take right, baby.
3: well pat i know you know john extremely well but did you get a chance to learn anything from my chat with him i know i did
2: uh let me see you know like i said like you said i've known john for uh quite some time now Mm -hmm. the thing i did learn i didn't know john learned english freaking listening to rap and i did not know k dot was his favorite artist yeah i thought i I thought that was i thought that and for him to give us a a couple bars i thought that was really intriguing
3: and he had a pretty you know extensive playlist too right and 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 i think that's something that you have to really appreciate about his golf game is because he attacks the game of golf. Like it was a physical sport, you know, most times, and you've been on the course, you know, more than I have, but a lot of people probably don't listen to, you know, music that's going to get you going and riled up, you know, right. what I mean? before you go yep. tee off and, 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 and do things on the course. But he says that's, that's something he needs for him to yep. uh, go out and be successful. So, you know, when he wins that, 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 when he puts on that green jacket, you know what I mean? you guys got an insight on what it takes for him to be able to win something like the masters. And you got that yep. here on all things covered because I don't think that's ever been broadcast about right. his playlist, you know, uh it's favorite correct. rapper, the prep. I mean, that's what we deliver here on all things covered. You know, we cover mm-hmm. everything, you know, of course my guy, Pat P from the literal standpoint, he covers everything. So yeah, right. that that was great. Great insight from John. And, and he also gave some insight about your game. You know what I mean? He gave yeah. you some, he gave you some, some tribute.
2: Yeah. And, and I know, and I know, and like you said, I don't play the game enough to really work on that control aspect of my game because it's always, I don't have much time to practice on my game. So, and that's where you really score is when you within that 30 yards within a pin because you have to have the right ball flight. You have to know. Know what type of shot you want to hit so the ball can check up. You might want to hit a pitch shot. You want to hit a full shot. So, so many, so much comes into that one thirty yard shot versus mm-hmm. a shot from one eighty. That's because that's just a normal full shot. You know what I mean? Yep. With that one thirty, got to be a little bit more precise. But like you said, once I'm done, oh man, I'm all on it. Like I know I'm, it. That's all I'm gonna be doing every single day is working on my golf game because I'm, man, I'm definitely know. gonna, I'm gonna win Tahoe one year. Um, I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm definitely going to win. My, that's the uh, goal. That's, th- th- that's oh, the yeah. goal right there. Winning oh, all- yeah. up And Matt, once I put my mind to it, Matt. Go get it. I got to achieve it. You got to go get it. No question. Well, we want to thank you for listening to our seventh episode of All Things Covered. If you like what you hear, make sure you go and subscribe and follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We will have a bonus episode for you on Thursday with Joy Taylor. That should be exciting. Yeah. Peace.
5: Okay.